0: to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Welcome everyone to this episode of Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips, and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. Hello there, I am Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design. And with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Welcome, Matthew.
0: Welcome, Joanne. Good evening, everyone. And thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers, gardeners, and authors, we believe it's important and possible have great gardens, which
1: are sustainable and low-maintenance. We want to help you make it happen. That's right. And hello, everyone, and welcome to July, and a happy big 4th of July to our many U.S. listeners. This month, we are talking all about wonderful shrubs for your garden and a few other things. This month is a little bit of a grab bag, isn't it? But uh, we're excited. Um, Tonight, we're going to discuss some interesting evergreen shrubs. I think what we're talking about perennials and lots of flowers the last few months I, or weeks and weeks, I feel like, you know, I thought we need evergreens, right? Like we need to, those are kind of the backbone of a garden and uh, very important and often overlooked, especially the small ones, I think. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you have some questions about your evergreens, if you have a favorite uh, small Evergreen, we would love to hear all about it. Please share with us at instudio101 at gmail.com. That's right. That's right. Yes. So we
0: are talking all about interesting evergreen shrubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So- Don't you find that when people think of it, when you say evergreen, like they're thinking cedars and spruce trees and right. And and those
0: larger Older cultivars of like junipers mm. and yews that just have been planted as foundation plantings from forty years ago that are <laughs> o- overwhelming and eating the lawn. And I was and just going to say that, in, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. eating
1: yeah. that lawn or eating the house, like or even the house, yeah, uh-huh. yeah no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. And in the garden center, a lot of people think that. Well, have you thought about maybe you know a, a an evergreen ground cover or you know an evergreen to but, Oh, no, those are those big, like, they get out of control. No, no, there's a whole group of new cultivars and improvements, as well as some of the classic ones that I think are just or used, that your garden center is filled
1: with that's um, right. right I think people have childhood scars because they're yes. like oh no we grew up with one of those and they like it, it got you a bit you know it took over the yard and it was prickly when the ball went into it or whatever like I feel like I think that people really are scarred from those those right. things.
0: <laughs> mom those and dad things made me rip it out
1: <laughs> I know I know
0: <laughs> I yeah but you're right
1: and sometimes it's sometimes it's because it's not planted in the right spot like right those junipers I mean, first of all, I mean, yeah, when they, if it's 40 years old, of course it's going to be big, like, you know, um, um, but second of all, I think things also were reaching for the sun or planting in a, you know, if they weren't planted with enough sun, they didn't do well till they were sprawling. Right. And like, you know, the junipers would die in the center, but then the tips the tips would look good. So mom would never, you know, get rid of it because it's technically still alive on the edges, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, <laughs> so <Yep>. yeah, <laughs> we had you a huge just like that at, at in Nana's garden.
0: <laughs> it was like seven by seven and it was a round ball, but it had like six inches of green and there
1: were two maples. And then it was just twigs. I know, I know. And I'll still get those clients where that the ones that really love plants and hate throwing things away. And they're like, you know, I'm like, you know, you've had it. It's been here 30 years. Like, it owes you nothing. Like, it's okay. We can, we can put in something new. And then even up to like the day before the install starts, they're like, oh is it do we is it really dead like do you really th- think we can you know it's like no no it's like it's done it's you know <laughs> it, uh, they want to uh try to save it you know but i hate killing things well you know <laughs> do
0: you still have all the cutlery and you know plates and stuff from when you first moved in or have you replaced well, them with something nicer
1: <laughs> well that's dead that i could open a whole other can <laughs> for people because there are there's people that do still have all that same stuff right yeah. so- That. maybe a bad analogy everyone (laughs) that's right that's right but i'm excited to talk about some um tonight um so did you want to like what is an evergreen
0: i was just thinking we're talking about evergreen but and i think maybe it's straightforward but i mean we've been doing it forever so what is an evergreen so an evergreen is a tree or a shrub And there are even perennials that are evergreen uh, that hold their foliage throughout the season. So no matter what time of year it is, uh, as it gets cooler, they tend to change. They might blush. uh, They might lose their colors gradually until the spring, uh, but they hold on to their leaves. In the case that we're talking about our evergreen shrubs, we're talking ewes, junipers, rotos, things like that, that hold their leaves Mm. and some color all year round. Mm -hmm. so that is an evergreen when you're far south in california florida uh, in the tropic kind of areas there are a lot of you know our annuals if you think of like a palm tree uh, things like that that are also evergreen that hold their their big green leaves that they don't lose them it's cooler for them uh but they don't necessarily lose them but if you move further north and i'm could be other things besides the palm tree. These evergreens in the tropics may become semi evergreen or still be hardy, but lose everything uh, and be more perennial like. So yeah, what is that is what an evergreen is something that holds all of that green all year round. Mm
1: -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily need to be green. So that's why there's, you know, that that uh, even though I do have an aversion to yellow flowers, i yes. actually quite like yellow foliage um, so uh, so yeah so that's one of the ones i wanted to talk about tonight um so yeah so another term we see is
0: oh yeah evergreen and conifer and these are often mixed together well it's just it's a conifer meaning it's an evergreen but they are two different thing- things um you know, evergreens are evergreen. They hold their their colored foliage all year round, but they not necessarily need to be a conifer. But a lot of conifers are also evergreen. So a conifer is uh, usually a, a woody evergreen plant. If you think of a pine or a spruce uh, or a fir, right, that bear cones. Conifer being cone being a cone bearer. So a conifer can have a cone. Right. Um, And not all conifers are are evergreen, if we think Mm. of um, larch, weeping larch. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we have cones, but uh, our larches are a deciduous evergreen. So they have evergreen needles uh, that come out beautiful, rich green, but then they turn yellow and they all fall by the time, you know, the winter and the cooler weather comes. But they still have those cones. So they are still a conifer. So evergreen and conifer refers to that fruiting type. Uh, So junipers, uh, pines, uh, firs, they are all conifers. Whereas things like your hollies, they're evergreen, um, but they create berries that are actual berries and and other fruit. So those are not uh, a conifer. They're just an evergreen. Yeah, so there's two terms that we see. And I actually looked it up, and I I didn't throw conifer in um, the glossary of our book. Down the oh. garden path, and step by step, guide right to your Ontario garden.
1: <laughs> so, yes, interesting. Okay, and well, I think of Christmas trees. So then, when you think of it, like Christmas trees are all conifers, right?
0: They're all conifers right? because you if know, left to their own thing, they're all going to produce their own cones. That's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah Junipers. We always say juniper berries, but those scales are actually fused together and have some fleshy body around their seeds um, or around the cone in which birds and other animals will eat them and and deposit them, whereas pine cones will open their woody scales and let the seeds fly. Uh, So we say juniper berries, but they are cones.
1: Oh, Oh, okay. Sorry. Really?
0: Yeah, we call them juniper berries, but they are technically the structure as a
1: type of cone. Well, what about the yew berries?
0: they they are a berry they're a berry because they, they yeah. the now plant you're plant getting plants. complicated <laughs> yes <laughs> now we're splitting hairs and maybe we now know.
1: we're splitting hairs oh tell my me gosh. about some
0: fancy greens what, what's interesting
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right that it's right and i think they're very i mean as the, putting on my designer hat uh i think they're very important in a landscape because i think first of all everybody wants that um seasonal interest. Yes. Whether they know it or they don't, like sometimes they don't know <laughs> to say it, but they want that. Yes. Agreed. When they color all the time, something interesting all the time, you know that kind of thing. Well, and I think sometimes they are th- they're thinking like April till no- October or something, right? Like they're not thinking the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, that's so, what they define um, as all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there is a surprising number of clients I've had over the years. Uh, One just now that I've, I've just done this whole backyard and she doesn't want any evergreens. Yeah. And um so she does have an existing uh road roto. I, I think it was a roto, I don't think it was an Azalea, it was a good size. She had an existing Roto that we kept. So technically that would be uh, the only um evergreen. An evergreen. Um, although I fooled her and hopefully she's not listening, um, in that <laughs> I convinced her to put in a Daphne, which is yes, yeah, another broadleaf evergreen. It's a broadleaf evergreen flowering. Broadleaf, but evergreen. So that's yes, right. so I kind of fooled her. So she, but you know, they're so rare to you mm-hmm. know in the garden. That's one we could probably do a show one of these days about Daphne's. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So when we are saying we're going to talk about interesting evergreens, before we get into naming some of them and talking about uh, our evergreens, what do you think? What how are we defining interesting? I think we're defining interesting. When I think interesting, I I think of it. It does something unusual, like our, our larch, a nice weeping larch, deciduous, beautiful fall color. Um, I think of obviously the the different junipers, the horizontalis group um, of junipers that give you a you know growing season color, and then we often see winter color or different colors or things like berries, uh, things like that. Um, I think both of us on our list have a few, uh, cool things. Like we always say, you know, picking a plant that do, does two things, right. uh, type thing. Right. And that, that goes for sure for a lot of our evergreens as well, whether they're broad leaf. So they have, um, you know, a very deciduous or typical leaf looking, uh, thing like a euonymus or like you said, a roto or azalea, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, um, yeah, or even some of the hollies versus, you know, a needle-like or a scale-like leaf structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's what we mean by interesting. Would you? Agree? Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, yeah, I think it's the texture is interesting. I think mm-hmm. the size and shape, it can be interesting. Yeah. Um, as well as, and I think the foliage, because by the very nature, when we say to a client or a gardener, other gardeners, evergreen. Everyone is picturing it to be green. Now, there's many shades, right? Like a pine tree green versus a fir tree green versus mm. a spruce tree green. They're very different greens, but they're all technically greens. Right. But I think there's um, a lot that people don't really think about, and in the in the sense that that have more of a yellow um, or more of a lime. There's a few variegated, you know, subtly variegated. Um, some like the larch even though they are deciduous evergreen, you know, when it, before it loses its leaves, it goes bright yellow. So have anybody who's been in cottage country in the fall and to see Mm. the birch trees and then the larches go yellow, it's a sight to behold, right? It really is. You know, so I think, and again, I know I feel like a bit of a hypocrite because of my aversion to yellow flowers, but (laughs) I feel like there can be too much green in a garden, you know, and I think, evergreens can help that way by having different textures and because you know the leaves of most other plants you know with exception of a few well you know I know there's burgundy plants and stuff like that but you know everything is green so and I think that's why some people when you say evergreen they're like oh no we already have enough green like I don't need you know I don't care about winter it's evergreen well I think they can make other things pop
0: yes Yeah, with that texture and then those varying shades of green, right? They make great Mm -hmm. backgrounds and companions for a lot of the other plants that we use in our garden. Yeah. For sure. So -hmm. do we want to talk about a few of them? And then we can talk about caring for some of them? Yeah, we can definitely.
1: Yeah. Do we have any listener questions? I was just looking to see. I forgot to pull up the email. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. You (laughs) go. There you go. We do have a few uh oh, okay so we a- we answered gail's question i think uh why are they called evergreens um you know so yep i think gail that was a good question and i believe we answered it <laughs> uh, matt's description and needle drops this is an interesting one so walt are needle drops good for evergreens or is that a symptom of something else interesting I'm not sure what you mean by needle drops you know what he means so I think, um, whoop, if I just
0: bring up the question, Walt, needle greens, uh, one of the things to say is that evergreens um, do like to cycle out a third of their foliage as well. So when you do see, for example, you know, that classic spruce or pine, sitting and you've got those needles underneath yes some of them might be blown off by the wind some of them might be an insect pest or disease uh but you know what the also that it's evergreen but she is shedding some needles uh just to rejuvenate her own growth so you might see some of that needle drop uh that covers the base or around your um uh, sorry, evergreen. I just totally lost the word. Uh, mm-hmm. Evergreen to help acidify the soil because most or a lot of evergreens do like a slightly more acidic soil, but also to help with some weed competition and and just make their little space just their own and and those growing conditions like they like. So, okay, um, yeah. So, Walt, uh, there's there, your question. Um, so let me know if that answered your question. So there is a natural little bit of, of needle drop. But there could be as well as a symptom of something else. A lot of people see the, you know, the cedars, your upright cedars, especially, you know, in the middle, it starts to get the little brown bits. And, you know, the cedar widens and grows, but loses some of those natural leaves inside because she knows that it's getting dark in there and she's full sun and she pushes it out and she's naturally shedding a little bit of that anyway. So,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, perfect. So hopefully that answers your question, Walt. Yeah, I think so. And I think we answered Roy's as well. So he's saying, what is the difference between conifers and broadleaf evergreens? So we know that conifers are cone-bearing evergreens.
0: That's right. And then broadleaf evergreens are evergreens like your Euonymus, um, some of your hollies, the- rhododendrons, which... Don't have a, a cone like fruit. They tend to have a berry, and they ha- tend to have very uh, typical looking. If you think deciduous like leaves, rounded or smooth edges. Uh, the roto's like they nice and curl, oblanceolate, lanceolate. Uh, so just typical looking foliage. But they are evergreen. They hold all the time. And I think you want them. as is probably the easiest. Boxwood, for everybody. I think of boxwood, boxwood too. too yeah thank yeah. you boxwood as well yeah. boxwood too the cute little deciduous
1: looking leaves but they are evergreen that's right that's right oh yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking for my rocket book pens <laughs> so I'm sorry Mike you'll see me <laughs> running around my screen I'm like ah where's my Rocketbook pen is running out um so yeah I like boxwoods are they are little leaves they are evergreen but no cones right 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 and no needles right right but it is an evergreen and a
0: broadleaf evergreen right so we also have steve has written in hello to joanne and matt should we cover our evergreens in the winter from snow cold and wind (laughs) thank Mm -hmm. you excellent question steve so we'll jump into our care first um yeah so it depends on where you are um and what you've planted but usually for the first few years Yes, you do want to protect them in some way, especially in a windy situation. A lot of them, things like ewes are tougher than other things, like, for example, boxwood or your rotos. Uh, so you may not necessarily need to cover them if you have them in a protected area. The other thing we do, too, is we cover them to protect them from the wind because we stop watering. And what happens is the wind is very drying. So the high pressure of water in the needles Get pulled out by the wind the very dry, windy air and we get that wind burn or we lose some of it. So one of the things to do is, especially if you've got your uh, evergreens newly planted for the first few years, make sure you're watering them just as deep as you planted them and around them. So that digging hole, you know, just as deep, twice as wide uh, and filling that hole with moisture and not letting it dry out. So in our book, if I don't know if I just saw Joanne grab the book, we call it our watering once a week rule. So once a week until the ground freezes solid. And that just makes sure that she does have a constant supply of water as the wind changes and she doesn't dry out. Snow, for example, if we have snow, uh, you know, if snow is falling on your evergreen, so for example, if you have a, a globe cedar uh, or a very upright uh, Hicks or Hills U, and you've got a lot of snow load that might fall off the edge of the building, that's something we might want to protect with, whether you twine it up uh, or build like a shelter over it, just so that the snow as it falls on it doesn't break open or split those branches.
1: Mm. But shoveling too right like if you're yeah, shoveling, shoveling your walkway a great like great one too yeah so some of the, I'm thinking you know you're talking about off a building hence you live in a condo versus me I'm like you know um but yeah I mean I think yeah. anything anytime and we mentioned that in the book as well about making sure you're knocking off the the snow from shoveling onto the evergreens. Like if you have an evergreen hedge, a U hedge like I do, or large Hicks use on either side of your door. Like I also do mm-hmm. like making sure that there's no harm to them. Like there's no, it's not going to kill them, but it is going to the, it's the, like anything else. Right. And, and I don't even, I think even if you had deciduous things, it's going to wait, weigh, weigh yeah. them down and stuff. Right. So it's something to be um, just c- c- cognizant of uh, that evergreens, everybody thinks, that they're the problem with the deciduous is you can cut it out what if it broke or bent you can cut it out and it'll regrow or you can print it back but um that doesn't happen with evergreens right uh they stay that way so yeah. for the most part um so, yeah, yeah, so that's something to think about. Uh, but for them, like, I say that, like, when we talk about covering, though, I, I do struggle with that, like, so those you'd mentioned all valid reasons, like, absolutely, ba- valid things to consider. But I also feel like they're, we're planting evergreens to see them in the winter, not to yeah. see burlap in the winter, you know, yes. so I feel like that's where the right plant like, you know, it's key, the right plant in the right location. Um, so yes, I have Hicks use on either side of my door and yes, my walkway to the front door, all borders, you know, is all bordered with use. I don't wrap them. I don't screen them. I'm cognizant of and lecturing of my sons to not pile the snow uh, on them. And just snow is not such a big deal. It's, you know, when we get that melt and then freeze and then it's like ice or we get that Mm. freezing rain. And that's like where it becomes an issue where then I'm then I know to go out and knock it off kind of thing. So I feel like some of it is making sure you're planting them in the right spot. Um, you know, the salt, like if you are planting things that are not evergreens, also not some are salt tolerant, hint, the blue ones, um, some are not. So, you know, planting, um, things that are not salt tolerant near the driveway or near the sidewalk or the road is not a good idea. So yes. Can you build a screen to protect them? Yes. Should you plant them there in the first place? I guess I'm kind of biased to say no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they're exposed to that extra damage that they they don't really Mm. need. Yeah. And there are tougher plants that you could be planting there if you decide Mm -hmm. to plant there. Anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And agreed with your point. Just, you know, protection. We planted them to be evergreens. I'm with you there as Mm -hmm. well. Water them. That's what they run out of. And that's where they picking the right plant for the right place and don't let them dry out in October because it gets too cold and the water is unpleasant and you might get wet or if you get sprayed it's cold to us so we just turn everything off and then they're there to dry but yeah, yeah snow is protective snow is protective excellent, yeah. excellent uh excellent uh question there Steve yeah, I know
1: <laughs> oh my gosh we we've, we didn't even need to we answered them most of them without even looking so there you go so what is your do you have a favorite? Which one did you want to talk about?
0: Oh, you know what one of my favorite is? And it's maybe because um, I see a lot of these, not the specific one, but I see a lot of the hemlocks up by our cottage, our family cottage. So one of the ones that I've always enjoyed uh, is the Moonfrost Canadian Hemlock. Our Tsuga Canadensis Moonfrost. And so it's a nice... Dwarf shrub, native to North America, Eastern North America, zones four to nine, only growing three by three-ish, but it is a little slower growing. So you want to have it in a spot that is either going to get full sun, will tolerate full sun to full shade, but you do, if you, it's, you want something faster, this might not be the one for you. Uh, but it is beautiful when it comes out that moon frost. It's all pure white foliage, all the needles and the new stem growth are pure white, and then as they grow, they mature to that nice, rich, uh, dark green as it grows. So, yeah. So these have to be, the one thing is just that slow to medium growth rate uh, and a little bit quicker in the full sum, but a beautiful multi-stemmed, mounding, arching habit.
1: Yeah. I um so asterisk there with this one, because I tried to overwinter two in my garden that were still in the pot, but I buried the pot in the ground to kind right. of, you know, I bought them for a client. Um, um, apparently, Matt, the rabbits love them.
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah. Because they that are not, they too. are
1: they are a specimen. Because they are not cheap, like they were not cheap. <laughs> no, and and so, that's the other thing. So they totally worthy in the garden. Like I think it's a total focal point. Could you see yeah. it next to a water feature or something, mm-hmm. or a Japanese maple? Like really a very cool plant. Um,
0: yes, and that's why I'm I've sorry, got down in my things too. No, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. I have that all in my things too. Just okay, they are very expensive when you find them in in the garden center. Like $89.99 Canadian and up, and you're starting (laughs) in like a two gallon pot. Yeah. Um, So it depends on who's growing them and where you're getting them. We often see them grown in BC and moved over, Uh, but yes, they can take some rabbit damage for sure. And you do want to make sure again, beautiful specimen, make sure you do have some slightly acidic soil, uh, well drained and slightly loamy as well. But and then, like you said, uh, pairs well beautifully with uh some ornamental grasses, oh, a water yeah. featured Japanese maple, uh and other some broad leaf plants because you get the very small nice uh finer textured foliage. So,
1: yeah. So yeah, I think I think yeah. I think that's, you know, something that because you want people if they want if they're not fond of evergreens necessarily, they want something and you want something unusual, then I think that's a great choice, Matt.
0: Yes. That's why I went with our interesting just straight out to very interesting specimen plant. Beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what about your list?
1: Um. So I, um, I, and I have it, so anybody who's picked up our book, we're going to talk more about oh. our book that we wrote, Down the Garden Path, the same name as the podcast. Um, and each month, we also have a little section at the back uh, called our design favorites. So in November, Golden Mop Threadleaf False Cypress, or Camacaparis Caparis. Timi cypress. Yes, thank you.
0: Timi cypress. Depending on how you say
1: it. Yep. What's the other part? Viscifera. Viscifera. Golden mops. So there you go. Mouthful. Um, yes. But I am a fan. Like it's got a really not only is it yellow, it's a nice yellow. I think for you know, and uh, it has a really hence the thread leaf. It's got a really nice soft texture. It's not prickly uh, and it really creates a great contrast. So I, you know how sometimes you get into a habit design wise and you thank goodness all your customers aren't on the same street because you do like a vignette (laughs) of the same plants of your favorite plants. So, you know, a burgundy Japanese maple and a, um, (coughs) sorry, a um, golden mops. I think look great together and I love the contrast. And uh, so I often and it doesn't get because there are definitely some can make Paris that get massive mops is yes. one of the ones that stay smaller and uh, and can get a little mine is getting a little open. And I kind of have mine uh, next to, I have my uh, Roseanne geranium, like rambling around it. And I love the contrast of purple and yellow together. And I was just somewhere else today. I can't even think about where I was. And um, yeah, and there was something else that was yellow and purple together. And I was like, oh, that really, you know, uh, it really catches my eye. So, um, so yes, so I, yeah, I love that one. I think there's, um, you can shape it a little bit, right? You can keep it a little tidy if you need to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you can. And I was just going to make a note about pruning, um, right? We're not going to prune our evergreens necessarily, especially like the junipers, like we're going to shear back um, a deciduous head. So, some of them, especially like the junipers or your chemisoparis, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're cutting with a downward cut because if you just cut them off, You can end with a little stem where you can see the end. So like you said before, we don't like when we cut the end off of a stem of a deciduous shrub. The foliage doesn't immediately erupt and break and cover that cut. So just be you want to be, you can cut them, but just always with like a downward cut. So that little cut and the open end of the stem is facing downwards. When you're doing something like your boxwood or your ewes or your euonymus, they shear much more easily like that Mm. but your junipers especially yeah yeah
1: okay okay right, yeah and and they are like one thing i do want to say like i know we're midway through the show and talking about these um they are to be like and that's the benefit for me of these more shrub like more dwarf interesting uh varieties of of evergreen shrubs is that their form their natural form is compact and is interesting they are not meant to be you know, uh, using a, uh, a hedge trimmer and made into mushrooms or balls or pom-pom like, you know, well, the whole pom-pom thing, that's a whole other show, right. To do, to, <laughs> to make those into ornamental, but, you know, and I, in fact I think I was driving today and someone was,
0: <laughs> and was I, doing I, I
1: litera- was doing that. <laughs> and I literally stopped the car. Like I was in a neighborhood where I've done a past design. So I, do you ever do that? Like you want to do a drive-by? I wonder how that garden's yes. looking. Right. And so I'm looking like I'm driving slow and I'm looking for the house and I'm watching. And then I turn to my right and he's like shaping uh i think it was a juniper into a ball and like so proud of himself and i'm sorry people if it if that's what you love to do but i just was like i don't even know what the expression on my face was but i literally stopped the car and i because i know he just like turned like he you know with the head shimmer in his hands turned and looked at me and i just thought oh i still want to get out of the car and say don't do it but it was too right it was already a a bowling ball so (laughs) sorry again um that I mean and I get it that some do get big and aggressive so we're not talking about those though we're really talking about the ones that stay a nice size that have a really good spot in the garden and really should not need a lot of pruning and and uh, shaping right yeah exactly even like the one that I mentioned one
0: thing you really need to do is lightly shear cut out anything in late winter after the risk of frost and more snow but other than that it's beautiful dense compact easygoing no real maintenance there pruning wise
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah anything else you'd like to add about your Kami
1: paris (laughs) Cypress? No, I mean, I think it. I think it does go with you know the texture. Like I said, the Japanese maple with other Mm -hmm. deciduous shrubs like barberries or burgundy bejolias. I think it really provides that contrast. And I think sometimes you, as much as I love burgundy in a garden, you can do too much burgundy, right? Oh yeah. And and burgundy and green. And I think to add, it just helps the contrast really helps your eye. Um, and helps things um, look more interesting so yeah agreed that's -hmm. always one of my favorite uh, latin or botanic names to say
0: camisiparis pacifera filifera aurea love it yeah anyways this is my time to jump in and say thank you everyone for joining us here live on reality radio 101 i'm matthew dressing here with my co-host and co-author joanne shaw and you're listening to down the garden path Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handles there are at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider with lots and lots of uh, evergreen uh, gardening <laughs> content, content. <Yeah>. Review. <laughs> Uh And don't forget while you're there, hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content and please don't forget to like, share and leave us a comment. We love hearing from all of our listeners. You can always write us here in studio 101 at gmail.com. You could also write us directly. The podcast email address is down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com so down the garden path podcast. At hotmail.com. And don't forget to find us on our websites. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumbertoearth.ca and myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. And as we've said many times already, we're going to again remind you to check out our brand new book, Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden, where we have lots of our tips, tricks, and advice uh, laid out for you month by month, including some of our design favourites mm-hmm. uh, and some great
1: information for you uh, at any time of year. That's right. And for our listeners that aren't in Ontario, please don't be don't be put off by that title. Yes. Um, you know, we may end up even end up changing it, but it, um, you know, that's where we are and that's where we garden. So we felt like that's where our, our, um, expertise is. But because of the month by month and season to season, really the seasons always adjust a little bit. So there's even some repetition in the book of what we say to do in April and what you might not be able to do it in April, you might have to do it in May, you know. So I think it still falls really well in the order of things and what to do uh, regardless of whether you're you know whether you're in an Ontario or not really zone zone five is is kind of and there's lots of people lots of zone fives outside of Ontario and um, but also you I think it's it will still help you know you know the order of things or the things to look for in your garden um, and in a, in, a, in a reasonable fashion right Matt? Agreed well said well said.
0: So, continuing on our list, you were saying you were watching someone prune a juniper into a bowling ball, yeah. and that's actually one of my next favorites. Is Mister Bowling Ball Cedar? Really? Yeah, I do not even know. Introduce me to this, Mister yeah. Bowling Ball. Mister Bowling Ball. So it is a type of uh, eastern cedar, Thuja occidentalis. Mister Bowling Ball, uh, and it is just a nice round two by two. Uh, threadleaf, um, not as threadleaf per se as uh, mops. It's not a very tight scale, okay. but it is more cedar-like with a nice branched threadleaf with nice green silver foliage growing two feet by two feet, uh, hardy through zone four, or sorry, five through nine. Uh, and then, yeah, it enjoys a nice, low-maintenance, tough, individual, different kind of cedar. So it comes with a lot of those... Uh, cedar attributes just kind of tough easy to share um, okay. yeah
1: how big of, sorry did you say
0: yeah sorry two feet by two feet
1: oh, okay yeah. okay so it, and see this is where it naturally grows that way it naturally, naturally grows in that habit so it's not something that you need to kind of you know like boxwoods or like other you know I, I think um, yeah so that's great okay yeah, so
0: it makes a nice neat tidy dense or two by two globe Mm. when left to its own devices so no real shearing or anything needed unless you have some issues um you know some dieback or some winter kill or something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but beautiful nice fine uh delicate foliage and i have to admittedly uh mention it's companion pancake uh so very similar a little bit more silver in color Okay. And it's, again, about two feet, maybe 30 inches when mature for a while. Uh, but it's only a foot tall. So it's a little bit more um, mounded, rounded um, cedar. So, again, nice kind of um, thread leaf for, if you imagine, like a cedar. Very soft to the texture. I love petting them. It's like a big afro full of hair. Reminds me of the days I had nice curly hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So those are a pair that you can see in in garden centers. And and again, uh, pretty easy. uh, Tolerant of of some urban pollution. Uh, Full sun to partial shade. It does like a little bit of... Uh, protection from if it's really windy, just because of its really fine texture. So if you're in a very windy winter spot, it does benefit from, again, just some good ground moisture and a little bit of wind protection until she is uh, nice and thick and established. But other than that, uh, yeah, very nice. I find them underused and great texture. (coughs) Hmm. Yeah, If you think Uh, of one of maybe your mm -hmm. other ones you might mention it's it's similar in
1: foliage oh not. my the next one that i was going to mention that's the fire probably chief. the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well it's funny because i'm not i mean my our dear friend nancy green loves her gold cedars and i do not uh, i just you know the way they split in the center and they get overgrown and then people prune them into balls blah. but ones like this that just naturally stay nicer and tighter um so yeah i didn't we have it in the book matt did i not have fire chief in the book Um, I don't think you did. I don't think I did. But fire chief, um, a fire chief cedar, similar to what you were talking about. Also going back to the yellow with a little bit of red to it. Mm. Although I have to say and I'll send you a picture after the show. I I did not take good good water and take good enough care of I planted like not quite a hedge but like a grouping of fire chief cedars uh, a couple years ago and um, they did not do well uh, for me and they slowly one by one died and um, yeah so although I also the I I wanted them for the yellow in this particular spot. But previously, based on you recommending them at the nursery, I planted them in my east-facing, under my um, uh, tricolor beach, So not a ton of sun. And they are beautiful. They are not yellow. They are very rounded, very thick, very soft. But I have to say they're almost a little bit blue. Same mm. interesting te- interesting texture. So even though they're fire chiefs, um, because they're not getting the full sun, they're not yellow. Um, but they really are very nice. And they have been salt tolerant because they're next to the walkway. Not... There's lawn between them and the curb, but maybe only three feet. So they are, they will be getting some salt. So yeah. So I'll have to post a picture in our Facebook group about that. Um, So yeah, uh, fire chief cedars are another one, right? Two by two, Mm -hmm. compact, uh, almost like very thread, like very nice texture of, of, uh, of needles. And then the tips, because when they're in full sun, they do kind of get a little bit on the reddish side. So, uh, so yeah, so fire chief. Um, So I think, you know, you could do a nice one, one of those, and I'm sure that's the same with your um, pancake and your bowling ball cedars. You can't just put one of those in a garden, right? Uh, Unless it's a very small garden, like it, those are the things that are meant to be in groupings or in hedges or in, you know, kind of a, with other plants around it type of thing so something that maybe anchors i think i see i think evergreens very much as anchoring in the garden
0: yeah exactly i like your i like your analogy as well because i use it to the like the bones mm-hmm. um of the garden right yeah, yeah yeah you'd want you know groupings of three or five or a hedge and some different textural plants and some nice color uh, around them for sure for sure yeah
1: yeah Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And and because they're so small, they can be in front of, um, you know, deciduous shrubs, that type of thing too, right? Without having to compete. Because that's the nice thing. Because I think sometimes everybody, you know, and we do it too, right? All the shrubs uh, get to three feet, (laughs) right? Like, you know, this is three feet and this is like, you know, you you get like the green velvet uh, boxwoods get to three feet tall and wide the Wajilias get to three feet tall and wide you know uh wine and roses right um you know everything you know gets to so then now you have a garden where yes you might have a lot of different things and different textures and different bloom times but everything's the same size so um so I think that's another um strong strong um part of of these evergreens is that they are a little bit different that you know some are wider some are taller or smaller and and they're interestingly shaped so that they do stand out in the garden right they're not
0: those eight by eight twelve by twelve ones mm-hmm. that your grandparents planted as a foundation planting anymore yeah so there's lots of, of very neat ones out there so definitely take a look um should we continue with our list sure you know, one of the ones was just again with lime foliage. The one of the ones that I liked were uh, lime glow juniper. I've always liked. I don't think a lot of people uh, planted. I haven't found a, a reason for it, so maybe you you might know it as well. Mm. Um, but it was a lower growing juniper, only about uh, twelve to eighteen inches tall, about twenty four inches wide. So that kind of classic uh, mounding, arching. Somewhat spreading juniper. I wouldn't say it's a spreading juniper like an icy blue or a blue chip, uh, mm-hmm. or like, like four to eight inches hugging the ground. Uh, but I loved it because it had that bright yellow foliage again, um, a nice structure to it. But then lime glow would blush uh, like Fire Chief, like a really nice red going um, okay. into winter as well. And it was one of the horizontalis groups. So the Juniperus horizontalis group. Often will change their colors, so um, you'll see, for example, like uh, the dwarf garden Japanese juniper. It's uh, you know jiper, juniper. Oh, that's a procumens Actually, was horizontalis. But um, the horizontalis group will take on purples and blush different colors depending on um, their cultivar and their their um, their cultivar. I was going to say species, okay. but not their cultivar. But yeah, or not their species. So I, I anything in the juniper. Group with the horizontalis that gives you that color, but lime glow I always really enjoyed. So, but I don't really find it planted as often anymore. And, and I'm not sure why. So, if anybody's had one, yeah, blue, I don't know I that don't I've think-
1: seen it, right? Like, do you think it's a grower issue? Like, I don't know that I've seen it.
0: It could be, it could be as well a grower issue that it was popular mm-hmm. 10 years ago and other things like Fire Chief or something else have taken it over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah the I uh, yeah so I quite enjoy it um again I think it's zones um, four through nine um, average soil moisture likes it a little bit well drained doesn't like it to be sitting in water um, full sun. partial shade tolerates it as well. I think Joanne's just taking a look at her books there and again (laughs) slightly acidic. I'm still listening. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean (laughs) if we can't if we can't buy it then that we can't use it right and and stuff so that's always the challenge.
0: Yes well I know a couple I've seen it regularly even this year at a couple garden centers. Okay. Um, So I know it's still out there but again you don't see blocks of like 15 or 20 of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, anymore they're usually like tens or like specimen pieces so anyways that's again just one of my enjoyable ones again that nice low arching sprawling habit but again that nice rich red fall color
1: okay um i will i will continue with the blue or with the juniper and talk about blue because so one thing about the blue is that it is they do tend to be salt tolerant so the blue Mm -hmm. junipers and i think of blue carpet and blue rug um they for me they really double as a ground cover so they hug the ground they really help um like for me and and how my walk my garden goes right to the curb i kind of have them um, you know on a bit of a slope you know they so they can retain they can look interesting um, I know if anybody uh, saw our page I our Instagram I did post that picture of where my the sedums and the ground covers and the thyme and the juniper had kind of woven itself together yeah. so so that's really interesting so I think there is a way to you know because um, a lot of the ground covers are deciduous, right? So they're not there in the winter and, and they, they do their function, but then that's it. So I think there is something to be said for an evergreen um, ground cover that yeah, it's definitely. always there. You know, there is a function, like I said, they're more salt, t- salt tolerant, as well as um, retaining a slope. So often, you know, there's people that have whether Very it's much. like a, a retaining wall with rocks and and that kind of thing, and and that looks lovely because as much as uh, my in my case they they kind of cascade over the curb and they look quite nice. I've seen that I love them too on the edges of like raised beds that would have rocks or armor, you know, and then yes. they would fill. They would kind of creep along and fill those crevices, and the contrast of the blue in the garden. But again, the other taller plants above them and around them um you know there's less competition but a little bit of contrast so so yeah
0: I agree what yeah. is your would you say your is your favorite Do you have a favorite blue one I think blue star is
1: very popular
0: mm. um
1: I think you don't like <laughs> that like, one I'm like I don't like that one that's funny oh, okay. that's one I don't like but anyway but yeah I see it's I see how you could like it you know, I do, but, but for me, I really, when I want to do a juniper, I want to do that cascading one. Oh yeah. That's why I move towards like a blue rug or, or mm-hmm. something like
0: that. Yeah,
1: yes. So nice Which is, more. I think it's rug. That's the, the lower one, right? I'm like frantically trying to find my book.
0: Yeah, but it I is. Believe lower. It's
1: the lowest one is the rug. Yeah.
0: It's very flat and sprawling to the ground. Only like maybe six to eight inches tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah nice yeah. and low but yeah you get like blue chips um blue star because it kind of has the same foliages um your japanese yeah. garden juniper uh icy blue is another mm-hmm. nice one nice as one. well yeah yeah very yeah, much more silvery in the blue
1: yeah you think there wouldn't be that much of a difference so i'm looking at one of our suppliers catalogs. so blue rug gets to be 20 centimeters tall and blue carpet is one meter. <laughs> so is that funny? Briefing. So basically, yeah. So, so really the one I'm talking about is blue rug. So blue rug, uh, juniper, Jun- juniperus, horizontalis, will Wiltoni. Yeah. Will uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Well, Tony, I see Matt's the... You got the double like, I, right? I know. I'm sorry. Me first eye and then I... All right, You must yeah. be a teacher who has to teach his students the proper way to say these things. Um, mm-hmm. so hopefully, <laughs> they, hopefully they are better students than I am. But anyway, um, now blue chip is, is pretty, um, is pretty, but it's a bit more mounding. So it is pretty low too, and pretty tight. So, yeah. so definitely, um, you know, think about them because As much, and believe me, I've been. I feel like I've been talking too much about sedums on uh, on our Instagram account. (laughs) Um, And there's one I even uh, um, I've been holding back posting because it's like, oh, I gotta stop talking about sedums. So as much as I love my sedums (laughs) and my ground covers, I think one, I think the junipers go well with those Mm -hmm. and help you cover. You know, because really they cut, like I said, retain slope, retain water, um, and and help eliminate weeds. You know, they yeah. really do. They they're very functional. Are they flashy and and kind of cool and funky like the fire chief and the mops? No, but you know, there's something to be said for them to be in a background, right? Yeah, as I say, there's
0: still again that living whole living ground cover thing. Mm-hmm. They definitely still the texture and the function amongst the other show stopping plants as well for sure
1: that's great um so yeah so i think we covered a few we've got a few questions and comments as we are wrapping up the show um and uh so so sue is saying she loves us um she's listening and writing again to us uh and that she loves the show and she hopes we had a marvelous canada day on friday which we did thank you very much uh sue uh for thinking about us there we had a few quite a few listeners email us happy canada day so that was lovely So thank you everyone who did that everyone who wrote us yes yes for sure and so this is interesting so dave is saying do evergreens make a good privacy fence if so what is the average space we should plant them away from each other thank you um so yeah so those would be bigger ones right
0: yep there would be some bigger ones i think the classic classic uh, it tends to be
1: your upright cedars cedars right your
0: emerald cedars or your north pole or your skybounds. uh or, or again with
1: was- your eastern like the native ones like the eastern or black spruce or black spruce eastern yep, yep.
0: <laughs> oh my yeah, your eastern cedar yep or your eastern black cedar, cedar or black
1: cedars, cedars um, which you could also get as hedge hedging material too not you know not necessarily wire basket or potted they do come bare root
0: Yes, they'll come bare rooted. Um, and you're also, we're also seeing some of them being potted up uh, because a lot of the growers who do the bare root, some of the other bigger spots that are very small and independent, are kind of starting to close down after 30 to 40 years. So uh, you can also find them potted, but there are native to Occidentalis that are going to be like 60 feet tall, 40 feet wide. They're the ones you find in the yeah. woods that we need to shape every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dave. Usually, you'll see like the cultivars of things, um, Jantar cedars. Have you planted any of those? They're the no. yellow foliage. Okay, um, like
1: yellow ribbon. Is that the same? Like
0: yellow ribbon, yeah. Very okay. simple, but a little bit more dense and
1: tight, like an emerald or a sky. Bow. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I have. I have planted those. They do need the more sun and more water. I've found. Yeah, I agree. The green ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Dave. That's probably the most common. I mean, you can do junipers. You can do. Um, Oh, you know what I have? um, Now, this is more expensive, though. So the catalog of privacy hedges would be, um, they had a perfect example at Whistling Gardens a few weeks ago, where they pruned in uh, um, hemlocks. Ooh. I know. So hemlocks are large evergreens, much like Christmas tree, you know, um, finer needles, grows in the shade, native evergreen for us here. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had a a whole hedge of them. And but then they had also pruned them. So they were like a cedar hedge, like they were flat and smooth and kind of rectangular, instead of the Christmas tree, your typical Christmas tree shape that you'd find them. Um, So it was like, We walked, in fact, it was one of those, what is it when it's almost like an, um, you walked through it, like there was a gap, and it was like a doorway, and we walked through the hedge, and it was like one of those, you did a double take, wait a minute, this isn't cedar, like, you know, in your mind's eye, you thought you were walking, you know, in an opening in a cedar hedge, and then all of a sudden, we, like, we stopped, and it was like, wait a minute that's not cedar. Like not look cedar at them. That's heck? that's hemlock. So yeah. <laughs> so it depends. You can spend more money if you'd like, Dave. Um, you know, some of the um Columnar spruces can make uh, you know, not a super dense hedge, but a little bit of privacy. And um, you know, use I would say where are you can make a nice hedge, but it, it wouldn't call it necessarily privacy
0: yeah again, yeah exactly and yeah find privacy do you mind a couple gaps as they make their points or do you need something a little denser yeah yeah, yeah. for sure for sure, for sure. Like for sure. Our columnar norway spruce or something like that
1: yeah so thank you everybody for your questions as yes. we wind down the show We do want to, you know, end with an ask. And now if you like what we talk about each week, um, then we would love your support in uh, checking out our Down the Garden Path um, book step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden I will give you the whole title um, available on amazon.ca as well as amazon.com uh, many of you have bought it and so we say thank you I know we did have a listener asking about how the sales are going um, but yeah we would just love you know uh, we we did it because we as much as the show has been popular and it's helping everybody look after their garden and that's what we're both very passionate about in addition to designing gardens and spending your money on Plants for you. <laughs> we love all that. But we want to help you take care of it. And uh, which is why we're here every week and why we wrote the book. So uh, so yeah.
0: That's right. Check us out. And if you have bought it again, thank you so, 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 so much for supporting us. Uh, it means the world to us. Thanks for everybody for all the support over the last number of months and years about the book. Uh, But if you have bought it, don't forget to log on to Amazon and leave us a review. Uh, We would love uh, for you to leave us a review. Uh, And if you have anything, questions about it or in it, Mm -hmm. uh, or something that you'd like to see more of, again, you can always write us down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. And again, Gary, our wonderful producer, gives us the mail here uh, from in studio one-on-one at gmail.com
1: yes but he even gary was saying he's using the podcast email a bit more so i think that makes less work for you right gary yes (laughs) people just email us directly yes directly um, directly so email us at our podcast one we have been getting some great um show ideas so um we're then do we want to talk about what we're going to talk about next week thanks to a listener yeah throw it Oh, uh, poisonous plants. <laughs> so, woohoo, Throw it. Okay, put me on the spot. So, on. And I'm trying to find, well, you talk about it while i try and find the listener um, who's, who's recommended it. Um, and so, you know, this is the time of year where people are camping and hiking and out in the, so poison, poison oak, poison ivy, poison... Sumac, all sorts Sumac. of different poisonous, stinging nettle, things that you want to avoid. Irene. Okay. Woo-hoo, Irene, thank you. And we have had a listener um, in the past also recommend it. So we are going to talk about uh, poisonous plants uh, next week.
0: That's right. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in here live on Reality Radio 101. Thank you, everybody, who's downloaded the podcast. You're listening to Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101, and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.